Grab your fork and grab your knife. Morning, afternoon, and night. Mama's recipe and mine. We're about to have a good time. Hey, sis, eat this. Hey, sis, eat this. Woohoo! Yep. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. How's it going? Happy belated Valentine's Day. Thank you. You too. Did you guys do anything fun? No, really. We went to dinner and it was pretty cash. How about y'all? We just went for sushi, early bird special, 530 while the (laughs) girls were dancing. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, speaking of, did you end up getting them a little basket for Valentine's Day? I did get them a little basket, little bags of some makeup, actually, Mm -hmm. because they've been stealing my makeup. And, um, you know, they're both into making these you know, they're playing like makeup artists. And so mm-hmm. my, they're just depleting my makeup at a quick pace. So I went to Target and got him a bunch of little things. I don't know if Jason will be happy because they're too young to be wearing makeup. So mm-hmm. it's not the most appropriate gift, but I'm rolling with it. It sounds a little bit more appropriate than what mom gave me growing up for Valentine's Day. I don't remember getting anything inappropriate from mom. Well, I was always into undies and nightgowns. Like I wanted a long silk nightgown at 11 years old because I thought it was beautiful. You've always been the sexier sister. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) But she would give me like little nighties. Like I'm not kidding you, lacy or silk little tops and bottoms and fun for your boyfriends, I guess. (laughs) I was like 11 or 12. Does dad know this? I don't know. Oh my God. Wait, I want to ask her about that. I never got lingerie or anything like that for Valentine's Day. They were probably always just sending me money because I was right. so broke. But um, I feel like she'd have a lot of a different perspective than we do on it. But I think we might need to call her and ask her about yeah, it. Yeah, she might have a different perspective. Let's call her. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can get her on the line. Hi, mom. Hi. What's going on? Why are you calling me? why are you bothering me this time of day (laughs) we are just recording you know the intro to our episode and we got to talking about valentine's day and what you used to give me for valentine's each year do you remember that no probably candy and junk you know Mm, well as i got older you would give me like underwear and matching PJ sexy pajamas and nighties and lingerie sexy well it's just for pretty girls <laughs> <laughs> pretty girl stuff I don't think I'd call it sexy but whatever well I remember being in college and you had sent me a valentine's day package and it had like thongs in it and like a little silky nighty and my friends were like uh well, that's because that's how y'all because how y'all wear thongs <laughs> it was just funny because my friends were like uh did your mom just send you laundry for valentine's day i don't know why that's so funny but okay <laughs> i certainly didn't get any lingerie oh you got the flannel pajamas <laughs> <laughs> do you have any standout valentine's memories i will say this when i was in elementary school I was very, very popular. And all the boys, uh, it's true. And all the boys would bring me those boxes of candy, those little heart-shaped boxes of candy. Mm -hmm. And I'd come home with like five or six, eight 
boxes of candy. Okay. And that was probably more the highlight of my Valentine's than ever again. But anyway. That's adorable. I was popular in elementary school too, if you remember, because um, remember that day in Valentine's, I was sick in the first grade. And so you went up to school to get my little Valentine's shoe box with all my Valentine's in it and you brought it home Uh and I started opening it up and I go, oh my God, there's money in here. And I start pulling out all these dollar bills and there were $32 (laughs) in one of the envelopes. I do remember that. That Yeah. And he wrote 32 on the Valentine's card and circled it. And you had to call the mom to return. I forgot. I'm not going to say it on the podcast because he might hunt Uh, me down, but I'm just going to say that you called the mom and you, and from then on for the rest of my years at that school, you called him the 35, the $32 man. (laughs) I do remember that. And I think I remember who it is, but I won't say it either, but I think I remember too. Oh my gosh. That was so funny. That is funny. I have a distinct memory of Valentine's day because it was a red letter day. I started my period on Valentine's day. Oh yes. Do you remember Mm. that mom? Yeah. It's a tragic day. <laughs> it sure was. And I was like out riding my bike and my mom and come home and mom's like, I think you start your period. And I was like, no. Maybe you just broke your hymen on the bike. <laughs> I don't know. It was not that. I wish it had been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was really young. She was really young. Yeah, it was awful. And I'll always remember Valentine's Day because of that. Oh, yeah, that's a marker. That's a marker, all right. All right, Mom. Well, we just wanted to touch base with you about Valentine's Day and see if you remembered any of those funny stories. Well, I do remember the $35 man or $32 man. And I probably remember sending the thongs, but I don't remember sending Lacey underwear. But I mean, Lacey (laughs) pajamas. But that's always a possibility. I just thought they were cute. So, Well, you're a good mommy. It was sweet that you sent anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. (laughs) I'll be waiting on the door tomorrow for my Teddy. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. (laughs) For your crotchless underwear. (laughs) You're married. Your husband can give it to you now. (laughs) True. All right, right, mom. We love you. Love you too. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I think you got a dinner invite this week or weekend, right? Oh, I did. So, okay, I can't go on this podcast anymore and say that nobody invites me over because I received an invitation from a friend of mine, a neighbor. Nice. And we went over for dinner and it was above and beyond. I mean, it, it kind of put me to shame, really. I mean, we sit here and we sit here and flex about how, you know, oh, we're such good cooks, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, I was like, uh, so we walk in and first thing, there's all these martini glasses set up and vodka and these cool, mar- this cool martini shaker. And she's like, okay, can you teach us how to make the Hey Sis martini, dirty oh martini? My God, that's so cute. I did it. And I showed them and everybody, even my husband had some, like he's not a martini drinker, but he had a little bit. And then we ate in her dining room and the table was set to a tea. It was so beautiful. Aww. I took pictures. I'll, I can post it on social, but it, it was just really sweet. And we had such a nice time and I'm open for more invitations. Anybody that wants to have me, <laughs> it was really fun. So what about you? You, you entertain this weekend. Yeah. So uh, my friend Lauren came in from New York 
And then we did Valentine's Day brunch on Saturday, which was super fun. What were the standouts? Well, what I was going to say first is that my friend Twee showed up with a bottle of Vuve and Mm -hmm. said, I got the message. I'm coming with the Vuve. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is great. Yeah, the standout dishes were Katie Lee from the kitchen. She makes these everything bagel rolls, like as if it was a savory cinnamon roll. And Mm. Mama had the grand idea to make them mini. And Mm -hmm. so she came over and we made them on Thursday. They were insane. And I served them with scallion cream cheese and red onions and capers. And I went out and got some caviar because it was Mm. on sale at Italy. And smoked salmon. Oh yeah, smoked salmon too. People were going crazy. Everybody. And I want that right now. Yeah, the mini thing was was super clutch on mama's part to do that because uh, you just make a little bite and it's perfect. I did a little Tex-Mex theme for Super Bowl as I usually nice. do because my husband Jason asks every single year if I will make brisket tacos and queso. So I do. It's kind of our tradition. I did do one little experiment with black beans. You know, mm-hmm. I love me my black beans. And I did them in the Instapot. And I've been a little nervous over the years to use the Instapot. I don't know why. I mean, I've used it, but I just don't use it often. So I also get intimidated by dry beans. So I thought, you know what? Just, I got to do it. So I put dry beans in the Instapot. It was amazing. I have the whole recipe. I'll put it on the website. But it ended up being a big success. I do think that the Instapot can be intimidating. And I've actually never cooked with dried beans. So I'm curious to check that out. I've always done the cans and I think that it makes for better beans. Awesome. Okay, cool. So Court, our audience heard from Mama Ashley and they're still getting to know us. So I'm very excited about having dad on so that he can share some of our childhood memories and shenanigans that we got up to growing up. Yeah. Shenanigans would be an accurate description. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited too. And I'm also excited that we're having Aunt Karen on with him because in true Hasis fashion, we like to interview siblings and hear about what it was like around their dinner table. And in this case, we get to hear about what it was like around our grandmother's dinner table. So cannot wait to get into it. Yes. So a little bit about our dad. He was in advertising He oozes creativity with everything he does. Uh, He paints now every day. He's a painter. He's just an amazing creative spirit, hilarious, one of the best storytellers I know. So I'm excited to have him on today. Yeah, me too. I think one of the things that stands out to me from our childhood was just, he was just silly. He was always coming up with funny things for us to do. So like this one Christmas, we went to Hawaii for, I think like two weeks and he decided that we should change the voicemail from the, hello, welcome to the Ashleys, to a Christmas medley (laughs) of songs. And so it's like you, me and dad all singing on it. And I remember my second grade teacher, Mrs. Lawler calling and being like, wow, that is the most unique voice greeting I've ever heard. (laughs) And it was so funny. I remember that little jingle that we did on the answer machine. I think it was something like, Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way in a manger. Yes, totally. <laughs> and one song ran into the next and it took us forever to come up with the 
you know, the structure of right. it. But I don't think mom was, she definitely mm-hmm. was not part of that. No, it was just the three of us. She was like, you guys are idiots. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> we always say that we got our love of cooking from mom. And I think that we got our love of pranks and silliness from dad. Oh, and for sure. You'll definitely hear that in the um, episode. We we go down that memory lane of the pranks we pulled when we were younger, and it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's really good. And Karen, daddy's older sister by 13 months, and she's just a riot in and of herself. I mean, a couple of funny facts about Aunt Karen is that for her seventh birthday, she asked for a can of black olives and she got them <laughs> wrapped up. My grandmother wrapped up black olives and gave them to her for her birthday. I would like that. Yeah. I mean, she's all, and she's always been very hardworking and driven. Yeah. And she's just a total badass. She and our uncle Ronnie were big into Harleys. She had her own Harley and they would like go to Sturgis and go on these big rides. No, she's awesome. She's like completely goes to the beat of her own drum. And at 70 years old, she bought a bright red two-ton Ford pickup and a 30-foot RV. And she headed out (laughs) across the country by herself. And you got to admire that. That's a strong mama right there, you know? Yeah. She's like staying in RV parks by herself and meeting the locals and having vodka tonics. I wouldn't mess with her. I would not come knocking on that RV door if I were anybody. She would, she's she's a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. She's an incredible mama of three daughters and she has, I believe, six grandchildren and two great grandchildren. She's just a really wonderful family woman. We're so happy to have her in our lives. I love this interview because we get to learn more about our grandmother, Granny, and the kind of mom she was and what it was like around their dinner table. Well, let's get into it with, I'm excited. Me too. All right, let's do it. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. I'm jealous because I see those guests that you're sitting with right there. And I wish I could teleport myself there and give them big hugs. Yes. Big influential people in our lives. Should we make the introductions? Let's make the introduction. All right. Welcome, Aunt Karen and our own daddy. Daddy, Aunt Karen, welcome to (laughs) Hey Sis, Eat This. (laughs) Glad to be here. Where we talk with siblings about their favorite recipes, memories, and entertaining. So thank you for coming on the show. And uh, we just can't wait to get into it with the two of you. Great, us too. We're so excited to have you here. Apparently, Aunt Karen has the best memory in the family. So I can't wait to hear what she remembers. Is she here? I remember. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I do have a good memory. Yeah. And it goes way back. So let's, yeah, let's get into it. Let's, let's, let's ask some questions. All right. Well, this one's really for daddy first, but dad, what did you think when we told you that we were going to start a podcast? Uh, I thought it's about time. (laughs) 
I thought that there has been a lot of wasted comedy that hasn't been recorded. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it was a great opportunity for you guys who have a lot of fun as sisters and a lot of deep love, but also great senses of humor. And I thought, what a great way for them to kind of connect and work together, even though they're long distance and share some stuff that at least within the family, we have always thought was pretty hysterical. And hopefully people outside will find some humor in it, too. God, I totally agree. I'm, I'm nervous that I hope that our stories are as hysterical as that as we think they are. It's going to be interesting to see how they translate. But if anything, it's nice to have all of these stories recorded regardless. So, right. Exactly. And dad, you know, a lot of this is it originally kind of inspired inspired by mama ashley but we also have to give you kudos because we get a lot of our humor and storytelling and obviously a lot of funny stories from you yeah so especially the darker ones the meaner <laughs> ones come from my side of the family so yes. true. That's true. yes so thanks thanks for also being an inspiration for this and encouraging us to get it going and uh and supporting us well, he is the self-proclaimed funniest one in the family. That's still yet to be. The jury's still out, but yeah, there's a lot of competition across all of the families. So, well, I'd like to take some credit for having drug you through a few recording studios, sound sets, some things that might have also prepared you for this from maybe more of a technical side or an experience side. That's true. Yeah, Dad was in advertising. Uh, he was a creative director for 25, 30 years, and we grew up basically on commercial sets. So it definitely was an inspiration. And we've got some funny stories from those sets as well. That's a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah. Yes. It's funny. We know that Granny, your mother, was uh, infamous for not being a very good cook. So it's interesting because on mom's side of the family, it was just a whole family of cooks and generation after generation of, of really great recipes. And, and we, we know that granny has the reputation. She really, she didn't know her way around the kitchen so much. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I can, if you allow me to. So I was thinking about this earlier today, and I thought, you know, to be fair, she wasn't a great cook. She wasn't interested in cooking. And I think that some of that came from, number one, her generation. You know, she actually was part of that generation that went through the Great Depression. So there was less plentiful supplies of stuff. She sort of grew up knowing you needed to be cautious about how much you used. And also... You know, we, Karen and I grew up in the 50s. Well, the 50s was a time when it was not near as sophisticated from a food standpoint as today. It wasn't anything like that. Right. It was more of an emphasis on convenience. Like every, suddenly everything was frozen. You could have frozen peas. <laughs> TV dinners. Serious. And TV dinners and Swanson spaghetti. <laughs> and all you had to do was unthaw it. So, you know, she was cooking and providing for us in this emerging new world of frozen food and canned everything. So it, it was so much part of sort of society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking back about it because mother used, there were several dishes that she made very well, which were chili, spaghetti, and. I couldn't think okay. of one. So I've got good. those two. <laughs> she was. 
a little bit between a rock and a hard spot because she came from a family that were French Canadian. My grandmother steamed everything. Nothing was fried. Well, she comes to Texas and she marries a Texan, a country boy, who everything that my grandmother on my dad's side did was fried. Mm. So it was kind of like, what do I really make? And I think we grew up a lot on a lot of bacon. <laughs> I remember a lot of sausage, a hmm. lot of and sausage. And a lot of cheese. And cheese, tons yeah. of cheese. Cheese on everything. Hmm. You Sounds know, good. I, along, along those lines, um, mom trying to combine like her background and family history with our dad and what he grew up liking is that I remember, so she would try to please or serve to that. So she would make like fried okra, right? Which I thought was some of the best, one of the best things she ever made, but she'd just fry the hell out of it. It'd be so dark and black <laughs> that it would be almost burned. You couldn't put it on your fork. No, no. And so I know that my <laughs> grandmother didn't make it that way, but that was my mom's way of making it. But funny enough, when I make okra today, I like it like almost burned. Like I can't stand it unless it's sort of the way mom made it. Yeah. Just that crispy. Yeah. Well, and you don't like it when it's like mushy inside. Oh, but yeah. God, that's gross. I think yeah. that's so interesting, dad, because we now, I, I think you do too, Court, but I eat my okra, my okra the same way. I asked for it extra crispy. So Absolutely. it's funny to hear that story because I don't know why you know we did i always just thought it tasted good but now i know why we do it it's well, granny well that's gonna be a recipe we're gonna put up guys burnt like hell okra and burnt. it's delicious with a lot of salt burned af okra well, you know, uh, from from our from our history growing up as kids you know, I remember specifically the first time I had anything that I considered gourmet or elevated. And maybe you'll remember this too, but we took a trip, a family trip to uh, California in a car, of course, and hit a bull on the way. But that's a whole other <laughs> podcast for 59 Caddy. But anyway, um, <laughs> we were in Phoenix, Arizona. And, you know, this is the 50s. Everything is very mid-century. And we were in this new modern motel, not hotel. and no, motor court. Motor court kind of thing. And we ordered room service, which we weren't room service people. You know, that was fancy pants back in those days. So we ordered room service. And I remember my mom ordering a Caesar salad. Mm. A Caesar salad. First of all, I didn't know what that was. And second of all, I never had it. And the guy came and he actually you know, did the, uh, the garlic and the raw egg and all that. An original table side Caesar. Yep. Right. He, he brought it in a cart yep. and assembled it in front of us. Yep. Wow. wow. And it was so elevated and so special that mm -hmm. I, it always mm -hmm. stood out to me to mm -hmm. this day. And how old were you? Oh, probably 10. Yeah, we were probably 10 or 11, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And now that's like one of the chicest things at the fancy restaurants is to get the table side Caesar. Along those lines of my mother trying to combine uh, her style with her husband's, you know, more rural food <laughs> background. And my mother would make chicken fried steak, which was appealed to my grandfather. She never Delicious. made chicken fried steak growing or had it in Chicago growing up. But then she didn't know how to make gravy. So <laughs> we'd have dry chicken fried steak. And, and dry mashed potatoes. And dry mashed potatoes. And then the other thing I remember her cooking a lot were those little thin pork chops. And they were always really well, like overcooked. 
I see a theme going on here. The overcooked. Well, yeah, yeah. but um, I remember and I didn't realize how bad it was or how it happened every time. But until I met my husband, but I brought him over to eat and it's a big strapping boy, you know, and he eats and we're all there. And mother's got five pork chops, one for everybody. <laughs> She's opened one can of green beans. <laughs> We have salad and maybe mashed potatoes or a can of black eyed peas or something. And he's like, the first thing he said when he walked out the door was, oh, my God, I've got to go eat something. How do y'all do that? <laughs> yeah. One of Whitney and I's greatest memories we were talking about earlier before the show is that every time we gather together for holidays, we would it wasn't a big spread of home cooked meals. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. I'm and with our, this and yeah. our mother, who was such the gourmet and came from a long line of all the cooks, we'd be going, you know, out to McKinney and our contribution was either uh, Mrs. Smith's frozen pie or a dilly platter. Would anyone like to elaborate on what a dilly platter is, please? A dilly platter is a nice way of saying in Texas twang what you buy at the delicatessen. So sliced, thin sliced meat, ham and cheese, all kinds of cheeses. And you would call and order it up a couple of weeks before the holiday. And then dad would run by the, that morning and go pick it up. So she didn't lift a finger. He got the potato salad and the coleslaw and everything. So that was her way of traditionally. Well, wait a minute. Uh, let me just throw in something about uh -oh, that. Oh, we've got a discrepancy. She's absolutely right about, about that. But I don't think it was her way. I think that, she, so a Jewish family would call it a deli spread, maybe. Deli. Yes. But mother called it dilly. Let's dilly. have a dilly. Let's just do just, dilly. Just do dilly. Oh, and then she'd say, let's just do dilly. You know, well, my ex-wife would roll over and stomp out. But, uh, you know, it was just like you you romanticize these these holidays and the big spread and, a you know, dad's turkey. carving the turkey and the mashed potatoes, which among, you know, for a lot of people, that's a reality, but not in our family. It was a dilly spread. So, you know, what's... What's more delicious on Christmas Eve than a warm, roaring fireplace and a cold platter of meats and cold cheeses on kind of dried out bread? Did they at least give like, you know, some olives on the side? And yeah, and mustard and mayonnaise. I think oh, the yum. deli said that. And, and I remember if I asked what I could bring after I was out of the house, mother always said, oh, just bring paper plates. <laughs> That's easy. Growing up, dad, you weren't the chef of the family. Mom was the primary chef. Now you guys are divorced and you really have grown into your own chefhood. I must say you cook all the time and we're always trading recipes and talking about food. So tell us some of your favorites to cook. Okay. So, so first of all, that all came about by necessity, right? right? So your mom was a fantastic cook. It was intimidating to everybody. She was so good, right? You didn't get in her way. And, and who wanted, you certainly didn't want to compete. And her knowledge level was so high. And I didn't know anything. I was in charge of barbecue. That was about it. And I, I did make some mean ribs, smoked ribs over the years. But um, <laughs> anyway, I was very privileged to, as you guys were, to grow up with a, in a family where the primary you know, cook was so talented and yeah. um, professional. So, you know, once we went our separate ways and, you know, I was on my own, you know, it was either, um, you know, eating out all the time or bringing food in or something. But um, so 
you know, the second part of my life, um, you know, I met my husband and we married and living together and I became the cook in our family. So it was kind of by necessity, but because my background has always been professionally doing something creative, writing and producing and all that, I sort of took on cooking as that kind of creative challenge. For sure. And I found, I found fun in that. As you guys both know, I depend on you guys a lot. Oh, you know, I'll call you. What do we do? So what was that thing? And the other cheating thing I do is I ask for your mother's recipes. Oh, I know Because I don't want to do. call her and ask secretly. them. Secretly. Yeah. yeah I, but I secretly <laughs> want them. Right. Uh, because, you know, I grew up with that stuff too, since I was 22. Absolutely. And I just, you know, I mean, I have so much respect for her and, and her ability to to uh, cook and prepare beautiful dishes. So, so I miss that. Honestly, I miss that. Sure. And I'm trying to recreate a little bit of that. And, and it did, it was, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, because it set a very high standard for me. Like, I don't want to make some piece of crap that doesn't <laughs> look good and didn't look the way it did when your mom served it. Right. With Margaret, it's all about presentation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it tastes good, but it always is well presented. Let's get into some of our fun topics from childhood or from when Whitney and I were growing up and when you guys were growing up. And uh, where do you want to start, Whitney? I think we should probably kick it off with practical jokes and pranks. <laughs> the list I don't know is what you're talking long about. and distinguished. Uh, so, uh, Dad, do you want to go ahead and jump in with some of your faves? Yeah, and I encourage my sister to do the same thing. So, here's the deal our father was a prankster and a practical joker too. So he liked to make people laugh and have fun and just be irreverent, you know, and I love that about him. And so we, we got a bit of that um, as well. And so in raising you guys, I just never wanted there to be like, this is what you do with the kids. And this is what you do with the adults. It's just, this is just what we do. So if something funny happened or I wanted to share it, or I had a funny idea, what if we did this, then I just want to include you guys in it too. I didn't see any reason why that should be off limits. And I was bad about that because I let you see R rated movies when you shouldn't have and things like that. I later found (laughs) out I was a bad dad, but the kind of practical jokes that I did and pulled off with you guys is some stuff we did in our neighborhood. So hey, we had this idea, I guess I read about it somewhere. I don't know where it started, but we did this thing we all call spikes. And it, this is such a family story and tradition that people around us, our friends are like, oh God, you're not going to tell the spike story. Spike story again. <laughs> Courtney's yeah. but husband, it's too good. Jason leaves the room whenever he hears this. But, <laughs> so what a spike story is, is you set up a series of spikes, like five, six inch spikes that you make out of tin foil, and you wrap the tin foil up and make it a peak, right? Like a mm-hmm. little triangle. And maybe it's, you know, four or five, six inches tall. And you spread those across your street on your neighborhood street, like in your neighborhood, <laughs> not on a highway, but somewhere <laughs> relatively low, um, low traffic, low traffic. For the kids listening today, do not try this yeah. on the freeway. Don't try this and on your parents, please don't sue us for this so, idea. So the secret to a good spike event is to wait till it's completely dark. Don't try this when it's light outside or even sunset. So you wait till it gets completely dark and you go outside with your flashlight and you set up your 
dozen spikes across the street so that cars coming from the opposite direction, when they start to approach and get within a couple of hundred feet of the spikes, the, the headlights hit it and it looks like metal severe tire sticking, damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sticking, sticking out of your street. So this is sick, but the fun part is they come up there and they hit their brakes and they screech to a stop. And then you can sort of see their brain working like, what the hell is that? Why would there be spikes in the middle of a residential street? Correct. Or who would do something or like that? Or who the hell would do something? And so then the next step is a reverse. So they put the car in reverse and they back up about 50 feet and sort of see them Oh, and they're figuring it out. You know, some of them have to get out and go kick a spike yes. to realize yeah. it's nothing but a piece of tinfoil. <laughs> but it's always completed by a very fast drive away and smashing of the spikes with the car wheel. Yes. So <laughs> that was one of our faves. Maybe a better gag really was the uh, changing of the cha remote channel thing. Yeah. So what we do back then, you know, we all had cable TV in our neighborhood, the same provider. So we all had the same remote controls, basically. So we, I thought it'd be really funny because we had a neighbor across the street who was kind of a grumpy old guy. And Bobbo. His name was Bobbo. We called him Bobbo. And he'd walk around in his dirty T-shirt. It's just Kind of Smoking gross. a cigarette in the driveway. Smoking a cigarette. Yes. Always had a cigarette. With the motorhome parked in the driveway. Well, half of the motorhome. <laughs> yes, exactly. he, he always had the side of the Winnebago pulled away and adding insulation. <laughs> or God knows what he was doing, but it was never a complete Winnebago. It was always partially a Winnebago. So imagine the partial Winnebagos parked in the driveway. And then we take our remote from the kit. From Again, the another evening activity. All of this, let me tell you, has to be done at full darkness. So <laughs> after after several cocktails, that helps. That helps. Maybe not for the children, but for the adults. So we sneak across the street in the dark with our remote control, and it just so happened that this neighbor Bobbo had a glass front door, you know, like sort of one of those storm doors. <laughs> so we we go over there and we see Bobbo's great. He's got the TV on. He's on the sofa. He's ready. Where he always is. Where he mm -hmm. always is. If he's not by the Winnebago smoking, smoking a cigarette. Right. So we st so we get go in there. And the first thing we do is we use our remote to turn up the volume full blast. So okay. Bobbo's like, what the hell? <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, whatever he's watching on TV has gone from a three volume to a 10. He jumps up and runs up there and turns it down and then sits back down. We give him time to kind of, you know, not make a big settle deal back down, settle, settle down a little. And we thought it's time to change the channel. Mm -hmm. and then, so we changed the channel. And then when he'd get up, what the hell? And fix that. We, you know, keep going back and forth or we turn it on and off just basically to dick with him and try to. <laughs> Kind of punish him. And, and, and he had no <laughs> friggin' idea man. why this was going on or how it was possible, but we actually oh, thought it was so quite hilarious. Good. It was so good. I wish we could do it again, actually. Yeah. Well, that's what you get when you put a broken down Winnebago in, in your driveway. <laughs> You're just asking for it. Yeah. Can, can I share one other funny yes, uh, please. practical joke I thought of? Oh, this is a really good one, too. So this was a joke played on your mother. <clears throat> Um, back in the early 90s. So we had a, a pool in our backyard. And for some reason, um, birds would migrating birds, ducks would, and ducks and stuff would come to the pool, you know, on their trip to the south or something. So it wasn't unusual for a big bird to land in our pool. 
and I was at work and Margaret called me and said, there's a bird, there's an egret in the backyard. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to catch it or anything. Well, you know, I worked at an ad agency where their smart asses are everywhere. So I was with one of our good friends and we thought it'd be really funny to prank her about the bird. So this <laughs> friend of ours, Mitch, we call Margaret, who's all flustered with this bird running around the backyard. And, and so he pretends he's burnt something from a bird rescue uh, organization. And he says, Mrs. Ashley. I thought it was Mrs. Ashby. Mrs. Ashby. Yeah, he changed it. This is Miss, Mrs. Burt so-and-so with the bird farm. I understand you got a feller out there running around <laughs> in your backyard. And she's like, yes, yes. And I don't know what to do. And he goes, Listen, just calm down. I'm going to tell you how to handle it. So what you want to do, do you got a beach towel there? Got a big beach towel? Yes, 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 I have a beach towel. Go, go get it right now. Go get your hands on the beach towel. She runs and gets a beach towel. Okay, I want you to go out there, and I want you to sneak up on that bird. <laughs> you to get behind the bird. Don't let the bird see you in the front. I want you to sneak up behind it and throw that beach towel over that bird. She goes, oh, I, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, ma'am, you can do it. Come on, Miss Ashby, you can do well, it. Okay, so me and about 10 other ad agency people are all listening to this, you know, on speaker. On just a, in like, a conference room? Yeah, just dying, dying. Oh, my God, in the fetal position. In the fetal laughing. position. And uh, that was really kind of mean, but... I don't. I, How did it end? I don't know. I don't remember what. I guess the bird flew away. I'm not sure. But, but. somebody must have cracked because mom found out. Oh yeah, she found out. I bet Mitch cracked, and she got. I bet she got so mad. You'll have oh, to ask I her. Bet, but I'm I will. Sure she she, well, well, when we have her, we'll have her side of the story, <laughs> and it's not going to be as funny. I can oh. assure you. <laughs> So the next topic we want to dive into that I think everybody has stories from is haircuts and grooming. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would turn that over. I think Aunt Karen has something. Well, when I was growing up, I didn't realize that you could grow your hair long. Okay. Because <laughs> between my grandmother and McKinney taking me to get a perm at the beauty shop, when she got her perm, I thought I needed a perm. So this starts about four years old. Oh, my and gosh. Then, and then my mother going to give me a home Tony. They were called Tonys. A home Tony? Uh, mm -hmm. Tony what is was that? the brand. Tony was the brand. Oh. Okay. So it, since she didn't know what she was doing and had no cosmetology training, <laughs> she would take my hair and part it off and make a ponytail on top of my head. Mm-hmm. And then around the bottom, she would take the rollers, the, per the perm rollers, and curl the very bottom layer of my hair into the most poodle frizz you've ever seen in your life. It was just frizz. There was no way to even be nice about it. So I had frizz. <laughs> fr it's true. I had frizz on the top of my head and frizz around my, I mean, it looked like a clown. We're going to need some photos. Oh, my God. It was so. Do you have any photos of this? Yeah, and they Great. yeah, I'm sure I do, and but they thought that was normal that I looked good. <laughs> so we could scary. do a side by side comparison because I also had a perm gone wrong. So yeah, why why did our parents think it was okay to give us these little poodle perms? I, I don't I don't know. I well, when you got your poodle perm, Court perms were all the thing. Like perms had come back in style or something. We need to hear your side of 
of the perm story of Courtney? Oh, well, I, all I remember is helping with the <laughs> perm. I don't know if maybe I participated in the decision to have it. I don't know. But remember, you had very straight hair and very thin hair. Mm-hmm. and um, Still do. And so that was sort of a way to help improve that or something. But I remember you lying on the counter in the kitchen and and the perm was being processed or something. And who and was doing the perm? Margaret and I, I think, I don't know what I, you did. I, I remember did. they were both involved. Yeah, I think we were both involved. <laughs> Takes two to perm, you know. And uh, <laughs> so I hear. And I remember there being a lot of discussion about how long do you leave this on and reading of the box and, well, but let's translate that. She's a kid, so maybe you'd leave it on less. I don't know. But I know that when we took it off, the, the, well, I don't know. You rinse it off? Yes. Yeah. You, know, you rinse it off. <clears throat> you rinse it off. And I think right away we knew it, the texture of it was, ooh, wow. It was <laughs> crazy. And I remember, you know, Margaret saying like, well, let's condition. I think we need to condition. <laughs> and, you know, putting conditioner on it to try to calm it down. But it really didn't calm down. It stayed. Oh, no. Like, no, it stayed for until and wasn't it parted right in the middle and then it kind of well, and I had bangs, permed okay. bangs. <laughs> the, bang, the bangs were permed too. I mean, it was horrific. It was like horrific. Oh. I have PTSD from it. Yeah, that's but... stigmatizing. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. when we talked to mom about it, she said that it was all your idea and Courtney's idea, and that she was forced into doing it. <laughs> Mom was no you no mom was forced into doing it because you and I it came up with the idea I probably I that sounds about right maybe but it was but it was trauma I mean I literally had shoulder length hair up to like and then it went up to my ears like it was like (laughs) I lost like three inches with that perm (laughs) you didn't perm your bangs so you left your bangs no No, the bangs were permed too oh my goodness. I think I have a picture in my desk that I can. Nine months later, it had all grown out. It was more like eleven months. I remember still having a little kink when I went into the fifth grade. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we discussed too. We were like, okay, one, why didn't you just take her to a place to get it done? (laughs) That's what I was wondering. I don't. It's not like it was that expensive back in the day. And two. Why didn't you just take her for a haircut once it kind of grew out? Instead, it just kind of kept growing out. And then it was just kinky the last like five inches on the bottom. I wasn't in charge of the hair at that point. (laughs) Well, all I know is I was never allowed to get a perm after that. Mm -mm. Not not even professionally. This is a hair story about Whitney. So um, she's in high school and super popular and going here, going there, never at home, always partying, always <laughs> hanging out with their friends and never missing an opportunity either. Never stayed home, always went, went, went. So there was some, some night we, Margaret and I went to dinner early. And when we left, Whitney was still prepping to go out for that evening. So we go out, we have dinner. I don't know. We were gone for several hours and we come home expecting Whitney not to be there because she's out with her friends. Oh no. We walk into the den and Whitney's still sitting on the couch. Only now she has a plastic round (laughs) brush with all these 
hard bristles sticking out and it's stuck in the top of her hair. All her hair on the top of her head is wrapped around this plastic brush. And we said, what are you doing? And she's like, I can't get it out. What are we going to do? And I'm like, we just cut it out. No, we can't cut it. Well, I was going to my boyfriend's house who was having a party. His parents were out of town and I take it. I wanted to create some volume in my hair. So I took the roll brush and I started to roll it, but it was the wrong kind of roll brush and it got stuck in there. And meanwhile, like all the, all my friends are calling, get over here. We're having so much fun. I'm like, I can't, there's a brush stuck in my hair. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, whatever. Who cares? It's no big deal. It's like, no, you don't understand it. There's a seven inch brush stuck in my hair. And so I finally just gave up. I didn't know what to do. So I went and laid on the couch and that's where mom and dad found me. And then we go in, I'll never forget. We're like in mom and dad's bathroom. I'm sitting there and we're debating what we're going to do. And my dad's like, we're just going to have to cut it. And I'm like, and I'm like crying. I like have my hands in my, you know, over my face. I'm crying and mom couldn't even do it. Dad had to do it and cut the scissors out. I think we had to just try to get each little hair, you know, yeah. unwrap as much as we could so that the actual damage it, wasn't. There was a two inch strip sticking yeah. out of my head. <laughs> I just had to let it grow. Yeah. It's all you can Modified do. mohawk. Oh, yeah. you can do. Yeah, it wasn't good. And uh, I think it scarred both of us. Well, everybody's had a bad hair day. Can I, can I, or two. can I say, uh, tell one other story? Yes. Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> So we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, right? So um, God bless her. One of Courtney's weaknesses was driving when she was 15, 16. She had her first wreck, I think, the second day she got her car and her license. And <laughs> it was, was the second two, week, but it might have been the okay, second day. Second week. And, and there was a series of these events. And thank goodness she was never injured. But the well, it got so bad that she had so many wrecks that we had to get into an insurance pool where the state of Texas provides you because you have to be insured. You get into a pool. And so some poor insurance company has to take you. I did, I so did we not were, know this. That's true. So we were in the pool, high, high risk. And God knows what it was costing me to insure that Mitsubishi. But anyway, um, so one of the one of the things she did is I was out in the yard on a after late afternoon and I don't know, maybe I was watering the yard or something. And I hear a noise coming down the street and I, and it's like metal on metal or something. And I look up and here comes Courtney in her car down the street and there's sparks flying <laughs> off of the front wheel on the passenger side coming towards the house, just a line of fire rolling down the street. <laughs> And she pulls into the driveway with no tire, <laughs> no tire on the car. Front or back? Yeah, uh, front, front, front. Don't need that to steer. And I said, "Holy crap! What the <laughs> hell happened? Where is your tire?" She goes, "I don't know." She got out. I don't know what happened. All, and I said, "Well, you must know what happened. Where, where, what's the, where's the tire?" And where's the tire? A tire's supposed to go there. She goes, I don't know exactly what happened. All I know is I was driving down the street past. Thank you, boys. 
some cute boy's house and they were playing football in the front yard. I didn't know who the boys were. You didn't know who they were, but they were apparently very attractive because they distracted her enough that she swerved to the right on the residential street and hit the curb, thereby blowing the tire out and off the car. Now, that was four blocks, four and a half, five blocks from our house. Now, wouldn't you think that maybe you'd pull over Call your dad, call AAA or something. Fix we didn't have cell phones, just halfway. I had well, one of those chunky car phones, actually, but wait, I didn't, didn't think. Just I was... She told me, I said, why didn't you stop? And with those boys there, she said, and they'd <laughs> see what I did? No, I couldn't stop. I had to drive home. <laughs> so she drove home with no wheel, no tire on the car. And... I mean, I don't know that that well, was the part of- that you're forgetting is that the hubcap shot up into the tree above, <laughs> <laughs> and we had to go back looking for the hubcap. It was like, <laughs> like twenty com- feet up in the air. <laughs> I completely forgot about that one. And then the only the only thing that tops that at all is one of the actual collisions that she had. She was driving. I don't know where she was over by Skillman or something, and she ran a red light accidentally and and ran into somebody, you know, that T-boned them. And she called me like she always did and all upset and everything. So I run over there to make sure she's okay. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened here because she never had a memory of the event. You know, she never really remembered what actually happened because if it pointed any blame towards her, she was afraid. Like she ever got in trouble. Did she cry? Oh, God, yeah, yeah, real crocodile tears. So anyway, I said, what happened? Um, she And she said, well, the police told me that I ran a red light. But I couldn't have ran a red light because I didn't see a red light. Now process that a minute. Oh, anyway, God. back to the insurance pool. Yeah. I think I was, honest to God, you guys, I think it was... Four or five thousand dollars a year just to insure that one car because of all the all the wrecks. Well, I'm going to put the blame on you. You should have just taken my car away and said enough is Amen. enough. And you know what? I should have. Yeah, but you were you were pushover, sweetheart. Yeah. We've said it all once We've again. We've said it all. <laughs> It's we been haven't great. said it all. I feel like there's a few spinoff podcasts we could do from some of the stories here. This isn't the last time you all will join us. Well, check with our agents. We both have a lot of commitment. I'm and, pretty booked. You know, we will. <laughs> we will. Thanks, guys. We love you so much. Love, love you, you both. Love you. Thanks for sharing with us. And we will see you soon. See you at Dilly Train. See you at the Dilly. Next dilly counter. Next time, bring a dilly platter. (laughs) No dilly dallying. (laughs) Is that the deal then? That's the deal. That's the deal. Well, I'll tell you what, this podcast is going to be a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Good one. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Hey Sis, Eat This. If you LOL'd, peed your pants a little bit, or even smirked, please hit subscribe if you haven't already and feel free to rate and review, but only if it's positive. Also visit our website for recipes and to sign up for our newsletter 
at heysiseatthis.com.